our next guest is joining us from Irvine, and it's Lachlan Duncan. Good morning to you, Lachlan. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Jill. How are you? Uh, we're very well. Thank you very much, Lachlan. I can see it's a beautiful sunny day where you are as well. You're uh, are you by the vineyard? Yep. Um, actually, I'm down the hills. So all our um, vineyards are in Eden Valley. I'm down the hills in Greenock um, at the nice. moment. So, but it's a it's a stunning day and um yeah we haven't had many nice spring days as yet it's been a rather cool and rainy sort of start to the season so might as well make the most of it and get outside absolutely and i can i can see the structure in the background it's taking you a while to build that (laughs) what are you building (laughs) yes that that might be another whole radio show for how long but we are we are getting there so maybe (laughs) maybe in six months and um in all honesty we are living in a shed while we build so i've left the family in there and that's another reason why i'm um escaped outside to the to the relative um, quiet of uh, country living, but I think there's a few tractors and things around, so you might get a little bit of that. Oh, I was on a proper Sunday morning without hearing some tractors going around. So, uh, <laughs> so look, 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 we've wanted to uh, to bring you on um, to talk about your magnificent Merlot uh, in, in view of the. Um, which I know Richard always had a bit of a laugh at me because I love my wine calendar days. <laughs> I love them, love them, and um, always live for them. And tomorrow being the 7th of November, yes, Richard, it is International <laughs> Merlot Day. I know, he won't stop laughing. He thinks it's hilarious. It's like, I do this as a job. <laughs> so um, so naturally I go, okay, who produces the, uh, yeah. one of the absolute top Merlots in Australia? And uh, and of course it's Irvine. That's Irvine. And, uh, and you've a, been with Irvine since, since last year. Yeah. Irvine just everyone goes Irvine Merlot. And so I just thought, well, we have to get you on. And uh, and given you only started with Irvine last year, I'm I'm sure you've got some fun, um, more rookie stories uh, to tell us. But let's 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 hand over to you to talk to us about Merlot. Yes. Look. Thanks. And yes, every every variety, everything must have its own day. So. I'm looking forward to Fruity Gordeaux Day. Surely that's, that's um, <laughs> I hope. Tram and a Riesling Day. <laughs> When's that? <laughs> bring, me, bring me on. <laughs> um, yes, look, I've been with um, Irvine for two vintages now, and it's been, I guess, a, a real interesting journey for me to, to get my head around Merlot and to understand what our vineyards can do. And... And I guess the styles that they can um, they can present to us. I guess the great thing about Merlot is the diversity of the variety. Mm. Uh, you know, Merlot is known for having a very plush mid palate and reasonably soft tannins. Um, but you know, in the in the right viticultural conditions and with the white right winemaking, it can um, you know also make a wine that can age for a long time. Um, and, you know, then everything in between. So, you know, soft fruit driven, um, easy drinking, young, young drinking, uh, you can have Merlots like that and Mm. then sparkling Merlots and, and everything. Mm Um, Irvine does take its Merlot really seriously. It's, it's not the only thing we do. We do have a range of other wines, but when Jim Irvine set it up, that was his, um, dream i guess to make a top line merlot he set it up in the early 80s and he'd been sort of 
uh, tasting around France and a lot of wines that were popular at the time. And he came across um, Petrus or Chateau Petrus, which was at the time, and I believe still is, one of the most expensive wines in the world. And yeah, that was bang. That was it for him. That's what he wanted to do. So mm -hmm. he came back to Australia and planted a lovely little um, cluster of vineyards up in Eden Valley uh, to fulfil his dream of making uh, the best Merlot that he could, um, which indeed he succeeded on a few years later, um, getting, I think, the, the Grand Merlot got, you know, the best international yeah, wine. Well, yeah. It beat the yeah. Petrus and it beat all of those other wines in a tasting. So mission, yeah, mission yeah. accomplished. But exactly. I, was, that, was it 1990 or 91? Do you, do you know the vintage? Because I've had both of those wines and they're killers. Yeah, I... I had 93, but look, I could be corrected on that. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe, maybe it was 91, but it was certainly those those early 90s wines. Um, so I guess just yeah, this is what we're doing, continuing that tradition. The vines have got some beautiful age on them at the moment. So mm. you know, I think yeah, the first ones were planted in uh, early 80s, so they're really hitting their straps now, um, and. Yeah, so I guess that's that's my challenge now to just sort of continue, yes. continue with that. And I guess, you know, develop the style in a subtle way, but still try, stay true, I guess, to, to what Jim started. So I guess, I mean, that the Merlot itself, and, and rightly, very, very aptly named, is the Grand Merlot. And that's named after the block itself, the Grand Merlot block in Eden Valley. Can you tell us specifically about that block, why that specific area was chosen? And um, yeah, I guess how, how that kind of a, a lends itself to uh, to producing this iconic Merlot. Yeah, um, there's actually two two vineyards that we would say are earmarked for Grand Merlot um, and have traditionally gone into Grand Merlot. I should say, and I'm sure um, Jim and other winemakers have worked in this way, I, I pick all our blocks separately, keep them separate and assess them on their merits with each vintage. So, mm. you know, it doesn't have to be these blocks, but in reality it is mm. most, yeah. most years. Yeah. Um, so the two blocks, there's two 2.5-acre blocks, um, romantically named B and G, um, although I think um, the Irvines used to call G God's, God's block. Um, oh. <laughs> so they are just the pretty standard clone of Merlot, but they still seem to work. And I just think it's a combination of the age of the vines uh, I think it is the soil type as well. Um, it's a reasonably clayey sort of block. So it's clayey, but well-drained with a little bit of gravel below. And I think the Merlot thrives in that sort of soil type in uh, combination with the cooler climate of Eden Valley as well. So, you know, clay soils, high, um, high in minerals, uh, the clay sort of makes the Merlot work a little bit to get its water, uh, but it still holds the water. So the Merlot is there, uh, the, the water is there when the Merlot needs it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as I said, and then in combination with reasonably high altitude, cooler climate um, of the Eden Valley, 
that gives it a nice long ripening time and allows those flavors to develop. Yeah. And, and it just we- becomes beautifully elegant, doesn't it? Sorry, I'm going to show just quickly. Um, so I, I'm just wondering how many, because the, the recent vintage you're on is the 2017, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And that was um, a little bit unique in that it mm. was a very cool and rainy year. Um, yeah. It was a year, in fact, that early on um, a lot of um, pundits wrote off um, some Barossa wines, mainly Barossa Shiraz, <laughs> just because it was so wet and rainy. Um, but in actual fact, I should say the Barossa Shiraz from 17 looks beautiful. Yeah, lovely vintage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And, and, those cooler conditions as well worked really well for Merlot for those reasons that I said before. It just gave it that time to to slowly ripen, develop flavours and develop a tannin profile as well, mm. which is really important for Merlot. Uh, Absolutely. Because, you know, they can be a bit, in the worst case, they can be just too round, plush and just a big ball of fruit on the palate, whereas mm-hmm. 17... And hopefully subsequent as well, but it, it certainly shows in the 17, uh, has a freshness and an elegance as well and, and will continue to, to age. So, yeah, the 17 looks lovely at the moment. And, uh, and when- Kim's, sorry, uh, George, Kim's texting yeah. through again. He just says um, he th- he's under the impression there's a bit of tannet grown on one of those blocks. Is that correct? And if so, are you planning on uh, making a little sneaky one of those in the future? <laughs> wow! Sneaky oh, I wonder who, he's certainly got some inside yeah. information there. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I would, I would love to. Um, I've for the first time last year, I, I did keep that little block of tanat aside. It's really, really small. The amount we got off. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's looking great. Um, I would like to. I'm not sure just because <laughs> of the scale of it whether we will. Yeah. Um, for in the near future, but I'm I'm working towards it. A side hustle, Lachlan. Yeah, it's yeah. really um, vibrant um, red cherries, and it's almost got that sort of Italian rustic kind of acidity and tannins. So it'd be one of those really young, fresh, um, kind of yeah, crunchy, almost, yeah, delicious crunchy, food yeah. wine. That's what we So I would love to. But the other thing we do have coming out is um, a Cab Franc. Oh, Um, sweet. And, yeah, well, different, but it's still I'm going to try and make it a little bit more in that style of that sort of crunchy acidity and a little bit earlier drinking. So I hope to bottle that um, early next year. So, yeah, look out for that one. I'm I'm excited about that. But, yeah, maybe the Tanat. I'll keep I'll keep pushing pushing for it as well. Nice. So you guys do, I mean, you mentioned before, you, you don't just produce Merlot. You produce lots of gorgeous stuff. Tell us about your Zinfandel. I love a good Zinfandel. Yeah, look, that's quite a quite a unique one in our portfolio. I guess when people think of Zinfandel, they immediately, I guess, go to California and maybe, or as Primitivo in the hill mm. of Italy there in Puglia as well. So to have Zinfandel um, in Eden Valley is quite a different beast. Yeah. Uh, up there, it takes a little bit to get it right. So... I sort of sitting there watching it, crossing my fingers. They're, they're quite big, big berries, and it's sort of known for a bit of uneven ripeness as well. So 
again, it makes quite a unique style of Zinfandel, a lot of, uh, again, sour cherries and a bit of a herbal and spicy twist as well. Nice. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, usually comes in around 14.3, 14.4, so it's not your biggest style Zinfandel you've ever seen. Mm. Um, yeah, it has its fans out there. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's just quite a unique, almost medium bodied sort of style Zinfandel with a good, a good line running through it. Yeah. So it's not a big, heavy Californian knocker. Um, no, no, Richard, not, not, no, no, not at all. Um, a more, it gets a, a little elegant. bit of, just a little bit of French oak on the end, about Lovely. 10, 15% just to, just to sort of give yeah. it a fit. Not so much oak yeah. characteristics on Just the round palette. it out a little bit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so no, look, it's an it's a really interesting style of wine, and um, yeah, really, really good to have on board in our portfolio. I was just going to ask Richard, do yep. you have many people coming into the store asking for Zinfandels? Like, what, uh, how does Zinfandel sell these days? Not really, to be honest. Uh, mm. I mean, the only other Australians in, I can think of would be Kate Mintel. We sell some Californian gear and some Primitivo, yep. obviously. But yep. I don't know. It's an interesting – it's a great thing to have. And I think stylistically people are expecting something big and rich and maybe a bit OTT. Yes. So the, the fact that you guys are actually conceiving it in a slightly different manner – is a good thing and i think mm. there are markets in the world that would really go for that style so up in northern europe they love that sort of sweeter richer big alcohol you know yeah anything appassimento governo ripasso <clears throat> anything like that and then zinps and stuff but you know the bread and butter for irvine though lachlan would have to be the spring hill gear wouldn't it because that's uh, that's my number one selling yeah. merlot in the store by a mile oh, i think it's a oh crack. really oh well i yeah. love it i sell the yeah. i sell the the backside out of it because I just think it's a great mm. wine for the price. Goodness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is our bread and butter. And, and yeah, like the value that we can, uh, I guess, present with that Spring Hill range is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, we're in a nice situation where, you know, we own our vineyards. We're an established business. Yeah. So that allows us really to present a wine that's amazing value. Um, the other ones at the moment, our, our aromatic whites are going off as well. Sure. Uh, that seems quite a quite a thing at the moment, very popular. So we've got uh, a Riesling, dry style Riesling, um, and a Pinot Gris as well. So um, both of those are in the similar vein to the Merlot um, and offer, offer really great value. Riesling's just, yeah, dry, crisp, um, you know, really lemon zest and florals jumping out. Pinot Gris, do a little bit of um, barrel ferment to that just to give it a bit more of a round and mid palate and a little bit of structure as well. So I guess, um, yeah, contrast in those two wines. Yeah. Pinot Gris is still a, an aromatic white. And we do now offer, and it's a reasonably new offering, is a Spring Hill Shiraz as well, yeah, which cool. is nice because um, that's a combination between our Eden Valley fruit and we also have a um, block down in Ebenezer, northern Barossa. Mm -hmm. So we get the spicy um, elegance of Eden Valley combined with, I guess, more the opulence and dark fruits of Ebenezer. So it's uh, in the same way the Merlot's great value, the, the Shiraz is a cracker as well. Mm. They're all gorgeous. I see you've got the, um, the Primitivo Rosé as well. Yes, well, that's it. That's also with our Zinfandel. Mm. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a dry style rosé, light and delicate. Um, and yeah, you don't see that many Zinfandel or Primitivo rosés as well. No, so it's a nice no. little point of difference as well. And as I was saying, they're quite big berries and they don't go big and jammy too easily up at Eden Valley. So yeah. it does um, almost naturally <laughs> make quite a nice, elegant little um, rosé, again, with just a little bit of herbal twist sometimes. Yeah, and it would. It, it, makes, it makes total sense. I'm actually just thinking of the fact that you, so you've been with Irvine since last year. Can you give us a bit of background? So your story prior to Irvine, how much were you involved in Merlot making? specifically or like what was your you know you've, you've probably traversed a lot of different varietals can you just give us a in our, in our short amount of time left can you just give <laughs> a bit of an overview of your of your background well yeah um look i i hadn't done a lot with merle i was just trying to think back i did when i sort of finished uni which was ages ago <laughs> um that was <laughs> i did do a little bit of work mainly sort of uh it was it was more cellar work with um the penthy wines and i reckon they had a little bit of um merlot for their for their bordeaux blend there um but look yeah in a nutshell i grew up around wa um and yeah did a I started off in agricultural science, but then was looking yep. for a change. So did a vintage or two over in WA, went over, studied in SA, and um, then sort of did, yeah, vintages around the world. Um, I sort of started off as Pinot Noir winemaker, was my mm -hmm. sort of where I was aiming, kind of thing at the time. A lot of people did that. Yep. Um, so I worked over in Oregon, up in the Adelaide Hills. Um, and then, yeah, first... Uh, winemaking job with Bremerton Wines and oh, yes. um, was was winemaking there for about seven years or so and then headed over to Sweden of all places and oh there we go yeah blending up wine for System Belaget in the Swedish mate. market oh mate yeah, the, the bane of my existence well. <laughs> yeah I, I hate <laughs> was that? Good he, doesn't, he doesn't like Sweden <laughs> no well I lived I, I was I was there for three years and uh System Belaget and Vin Monopolet Alco all that stuff that, that was that was that was a terrible time I reckon in some ways um for me yeah. because the bottle shop shuts at seven o'clock Jill you know? And doesn't open on Sunday. And you can't buy know. a cold, bloody bottle of champagne. What are they doing up there? But um, know, yeah. just just before we finish, from drinking. That's what they're doing. <laughs> just just before we finish, Lachlan, I wanted to ask because I know you've worked with Kim Toysner and a bit done some stuff at Rockford too. Is there yeah, a, yeah. is there a bit of an Irvine sparkling Merlot on the cards? Because you know those two producers are pretty famous for making cracking sparkling reds. And hey, it's Christmas time, so we've got to ask the question. That's right. Yeah. Um, Look, maybe is that is that a good answer? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, possibly, it would. I would love to. It would be a. It would be a great, a great thing to do. Be an so. awesome thing to do. I mean, windows over in Margaret River make a cracking sparkling merlot, but I can't yeah. think of many other producers that do it. But I don't know why. Maybe Holix. Um, I could. Yeah, uh, Holix or maybe. Peter Rumble yeah. used to. Yeah, Rumble well. used to. Yeah, so yeah. interesting. So no, it's a, it's a good idea. I would I would love to do it, yeah. and I think the the variety suits itself beautifully to a sparkling wine. You know, yeah. if you've got not not too big a tannins on the end there, and a lovely plush mid palate, just add some bubbles to that, and you've got happy yeah, days. Happy days, you, and you're right. You I've worked with a bit of it, so I should probably. I reckon. Reckon you're on the money, yeah. Rich. Just throwing it out there, buddy. 
<laughs> Petersons, who I love Petersons from uh, Hunter Valley, they do they do a lovely uh, sparkling Merlot under their oh. Peterson Champagne House brand. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's, 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 a very, it's a very lovely one, but I agree, Lachlan, it's, um, it's a great grape to turn into a sparkling. Yeah. Bring on festivities, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Lachlan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and look, uh, are you going to be opening a special Merlot tomorrow? Will you be opening up a Grand Merlot? Yes, I think I'll, I'll definitely open up a Grand Merlot, and I might even open some others as well and have a look at the diversity. <laughs> have a look at the diversity of the the Merlot world as such. Absolutely, so guys will as well. So oh, we will. It's all in the name of research for all of us, and some someone's going to do it. So, Lachlan, thank you so much. Enjoy International Merlot Day tomorrow and your magnificent wines, and we look forward to trying a a sparkling Merlot from Irvine in the near future. Yeah, lovely. Hey, if your listeners would like to jump onto the Irvine website, we've got a special on for Merlot Day. So, Beautiful. Uh, just, yeah, Google the Irvine website, put in Merlot Day, 15% off, and you too can um, celebrate in Merlot goodness. Beautiful. 15% off if you put in Merlot. Uh, Merlot Day. Merlot Day, beautiful. Okay, yeah. everyone jump on that. Posted, yeah. Maybe, so, yeah. No, you guys have a good day. Thank you for taking the interest in Merlot and Merlot Day.